Karen. Let us pray. Like a tree planted by streams of water, grow us in faith that we might live a life that is more. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Then Jesus said to them, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? This is the word of God for the people of God. Hudson Betts. Uh, I guess we have been married since 2011, and we have been living in Austin since uh, 2012, which is the point where we started attending uh, Wesley. And I'm Ronnie Betts, and this is our daughter Amelia. When we first got married, I had never budgeted, <laughs> and so um, it was definitely, or even like when I graduated, uh, I had never budgeted, and so that was something I had to start learning in college. Um, and when we got married, it was kind of a, okay, we, we really need to learn how to budget because you're combining two lives together. I grew up where my dad was very big about tracking expenses. And so I kind of carried that over a little bit, both into my adulthood and then initially in our relationship. I think it was just coming together and finding out what our priorities were. Um, and especially finding what our combined priorities were. <laughs> what we have learned over the past few years being married is that uh, not only what our relationship has been with money uh, day to day, but now we have to learn how to actually not just look at what we've spent, but now go forward and say, what are our priorities? One of our overall big categories is quality of life goals. And so like things like vacations go in there. Um, we have some fun money and stuff. Um, but the big one is like, we're, we're hoping to plan a trip to China. And we would not be able to do that without this. When we had our October budget meeting, which we do, we have a monthly, <laughs> a monthly budget meeting together as a couple. Uh, it used to be over ice cream. We don't get out very much now. <laughs> but during that meeting, we actually needed to budget for a, uh, a special category for repairing a ring. And so we had to look hard at our budget and say, what? What is our priority? For this month, that ring was our priority as a couple. And so we knowingly took those budgets for the vacation and a few others and simply shifted them and say, you know what, we're fine giving up a month for our vacation. Budgeting has never been about sacrificing something for us. It's been going, okay, we have these goals, how do we get there? And it's a tool that has allowed us to more intentionally make sure that we can get there. You have X number of dollars, what matters to you as a couple and focus on getting those things. Don't worry, Jesus says. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat or drink. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. 
Y'all, this morning I had a serious clothing crisis. I was trying to get ready for church, and I bet I went through about six different outfits. The problem is, I don't like to wear the same outfit two Sundays in a row, and I couldn't remember what I wore last week. I was completely stressed out. But Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about any of it, because life is so much more than all of these things. Today we begin a worship series about the relationship between our money and our life. You know, in the stereotypical mugging, the mugger demands a choice, your money or your life. And in everyday living, we can oftentimes think that we have to choose between the two. But Jesus doesn't pit life and money and possessions against one another. Instead, He proposes that maybe there's a way of properly ordering the two. When I was at Church of the Resurrection, not just this past September, but a year ago, um, the pastor there, Adam Hamilton, was talking about this particular series. He mentioned it as one of his congregation's favorite stewardship series because it includes some practical helps to money management practical ways that we can relate to money and enhance life rather than continue to be stressed out by it. So that's why I'm bringing the series here to us. I thought we might benefit from it. The Bible says a whole lot about money. There are hundreds of verses in the Bible related to money and wealth and possessions, and only a small fraction of them have anything at all to do with giving your money to God or giving your money to the church. Most of the passages are about how to manage money how to relate appropriately and faithfully to money. Because apparently money and possessions have been a major stressor for people since the beginning of time. Y'all, Adam and Eve, they had a major clothing crisis. (laughs) I think we all stress out about these things at some point in our lives, no matter how much you have. Growing up, though I didn't realize it at the time, because it was... All that I knew, and my mom um, hit it really well. I now know that my mother, who was divorced from my um, father when I was about two and a half, um, and raised me by herself until I was about 14, that she was very stressed out about making it from one paycheck to the next. We ate a lot of Spam. We ate a lot of (laughs) Vienna sausages and SpaghettiOs. One of my um, embarrassing personal facts is that I still really love (laughs) SpaghettiOs. I doubt that I will ever have a sophisticated palate. I'm an only child, so most of my clothes were hand-me-downs from my cousins. And we lived in these little, small, cheap apartments all over Charlotte. It was stressful for my mom. It's hard not to worry when you barely have enough to get by. Even minor, very minor, forget catastrophic, unplanned expenses can completely derail your finances. The federal poverty guideline right now says that for a family of four in 2018, poverty is earning less than $25,100 per year. And the federal minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. Texas follows this guideline. There are some states that... um, have increased the minimum wage in their state, but in the state of Texas, for an individual working a full-time job at minimum wage, that means they're earning $15,080 a year. 
that's only 60% of the federal poverty guideline. If a person were to work two full-time jobs at minimum wage, they would barely outpace that guideline. Don't worry. Y'all, I do want to mention that I don't think Jesus was addressing people in this particular passage who were literally worried about whether or not they were going to get to eat that day or whether or not their kids would have somewhere to lay their heads that night. We see Jesus interact with people who are experiencing real poverty and hunger at lots of other points in the Gospels, and he certainly does not dismiss or minimize their plight. I think in this particular passage that Jesus is talking to people who have at least enough, but were plagued by the very human desire for more. My mom, she worked really hard. She ended up earning her realtor's license. And as she began to sell more and more real estate, things began to look up. Life got a little bit easier in a lot of respects. She was able to buy a modest house. Um, I got new clothes. We started eating chicken. And <laughs> we could do really fun things. Like in the summertime, we might go to the beach for the weekend. Um, one time, we rode the bus all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina to Orlando, Florida to go to Disneyland, or Disney World, I guess, down there. That was a huge adventure. But this posed some new challenges because once you start making just a little bit more money, banks like to extend you credit. And uh, people tend to take them up on it. We, because of our natural tendency toward desiring more, can be tempted to live beyond our means then you end up with an entirely different kind of stress. Because between the principal amount that you borrowed and the interest, which is often quite high, at least on credit cards, suddenly years worth of your future earnings are now already spent. What are you gonna do? I've experienced this before. Unfortunately, banks, they extend credit to college students. It's not a smart thing to do. Digging yourself out of that is miserable. Then, when I was 14 year, years old, my mom got remarried. She married this man who owned his own business, and he did quite well for himself. Suddenly, I was getting high-dollar haircuts at places called salons, and uh, I was shopping for school clothes in these snazzy little downtown boutiques, and my mom got a Mercedes, we moved into um, a gated community on the lake, and we spent Thanksgiving in Manhattan. We got to stay at the Plaza Hotel, we got to go see the Rockettes, we ate at Tavern on the Green. It was quite a sudden turn of events. But here's the interesting thing about all that. Despite the fact that we now had more than I'd ever imagined, <laughs> it wasn't stress-free. I mean, I can't speak for my mom, but on some level, when we moved into that community, I felt like the Clampets come to town. There were lots of people in that community who had more than we did even then. Pink Floyd recorded a song called Money in 1973. It was their very first United States hit. It waxes poetic about the virtues of money and having lots of it. Grab the cash with both hands and make a stash, the song cheers. New car, caviar, four-star daydream, think I'll buy me a football team. 
Our band, you may remember last year, they played an adapted version of that song during our stewardship series. I've recently had requests for a repeat performance. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. If y'all are here on November 11th, rumor has it, we might oblige you, so. Anyway, the song expounds on what Adam Hamilton identifies as the primary problem when it comes to relating to money appropriately. Desire. There's this human tendency that we have to desire more than we currently have. And in the United States, we build desire into our economy. Our economy is consumer-driven. In order for our economy to work, we have to buy stuff, which inspires greed. I mean, each and every year, you and me, all of us, we have to want more stuff. We have to want better stuff. In fact, in some markets, obsolescence is built into their products. I mean, just take the iPhone. Every year, there's a new release. And every year when that new phone comes out, the lines streaming out of all of the Apple stores, they seem to extend for miles. I just got my notice. We can now pre-order our iPhone XRs. And if you don't happen to be one of those people who has to have the latest and greatest, the instant it comes out, just wait six months. Because in six months' time, you'll have to upgrade because the software and all of the operating system updates will have completely overwhelmed the memory capacity of your current phone. So you're gonna need a new one. Perpetuating desire, it's built into our economy. We've talked about this in the youth discernment meetings, that even among our youth, desire is a huge stressor, especially with social media and how intensely prominent that, that is in their lives. I mean, on social media, people typically post their very best moments and their most prized possessions. Have y'all ever heard of a haul video? Haul, H-A-U-L. It's this thing, it's a thing that people do when after their birthday or Christmas, they take a video presenting all the things they received. This is their haul. And they post it on social media. I mean, we teach our kids at a very early age that acquiring stuff is a competitive sport. And how much you have is somehow linked to your self-worth. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about all these things, all this stuff. Life is more. Adam Hamilton says that we have to meet this deep desire with discipline. Jesus says to a crowd of people in Luke's gospel, watch out, guard yourselves against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life is not determined by one's possessions, even if you have lots of stuff. Then he tells the parable of the rich young fool. Do y'all remember that? This is the person who has so much grain, they don't know what to do with it. They can't possibly use it all in their lifetime. So their bright idea is that they're going to build more barns so that they can store it. Only problem is, is as soon as they finish all of that, they die that very night. It's a pretty good memory verse. One's life isn't determined by one's possessions. 
I want you all to turn to your neighbor and say to them, my life is not determined by my possessions. We have to meet desire with discipline. One very powerful tool for meeting desire with discipline is a budget. A budget is the foundation of any good financial plan. It sets the stage. It sets the stage for a very well-ordered relationship with money. I loved what Ronnie and Hudson had to say in their video about how much a budget has meant to them, about how well a budget has served to help them build a life together that reflects what they value, that reflects their priorities, which sometimes shift depending on whether or not a more immediate need arises. But the choices they're making related to their money are very intentional because they keep track of how much they have, how much they earn, what they have to spend it on versus what they can choose to spend it on. I especially like what Ronnie had to say when she said, you know, budgeting has never been about sacrifice for us. It's always been a tool that has allowed them to more intentionally achieve their financial goals. Oh, poor fella. It turns out that there's an app for that. Ronnie and Hudson use this app called You Need a Budget. <laughs> and you can go to youneedabudget.com if you would like to um, find that, or you can search it on your app store on your phone, You Need a Budget. Um, it's a very powerful tool that helps them coordinate their money together. I mean. Hudson told me that he can be at Starbucks and pull up his app and see how big of a latte he can afford that day. <laughs> and it's real time, so Ronnie can be at Walgreens at the very same time and see that, oh, he just, he just spent eight of our fun money dollars. And uh, what am I going to do now? There's another, there's another app that um, you can find. It's called Every Dollar. Um, you can go to everydollar.com to find out about it or, again, search it in your app store. This is actually a resource that Dave Ramsey recommends um, in his course on personal financial management called Financial Peace University. We're actually going to offer this particular workshop beginning in January. It's a nine-week course that will teach you how to live the life that Jesus speaks of when he says, don't worry. In fact, I want to challenge y'all, I want to challenge all of us um, to consider five financial goals in the coming year. And some of them may not apply to you. You may not have any credit card debt, or you may already very faithfully uh, set and follow a budget. But if you don't, I challenge you, I encourage you to consider um, getting out of credit card debt this year, setting a budget and living by it. That's the key. I can set a budget all day long. <laughs> Live below your means and create some margin so that when something does go wrong or there is something unexpected, you can respond to it. And to become more generous. Um, you know, tithing, it, biblically speaking, is 10% of your earnings. 
And I know that many of us, that is a growing edge. You know, we, we give what we can give, um, but we can always prayerfully work and move toward um, becoming more and more generous. And then saving for the fourth quarter, which is basically retirement. And the thing is, is that you can learn how to do all of these things at Financial Peace University. Next Sunday, during the Sunday school hour, there's going to be a mini financial workshop in the library, not the library, in the gym. For anyone who wants to come and participate in that, you're going to hear from several people in our church about various financial struggles or challenges and also learn about some tools that can help you um, manage those struggles. And you can also learn more about Financial Peace University. Chris Hernandez is an investment advisor with Strategic Capital, and he's the person who's going to lead this workshop for us beginning in January, and he'll be there next Sunday. So he can tell you more about the workshop. He can answer questions for you. We can learn to manage money so that we're no longer trying to serve two masters. Y'all, we don't have to choose between money and life. We can have both when we put money in service to the life that God calls us to. Rather than serving money because of their commitment to budgeting, Hudson and Ronnie, they have leveraged the money that they earn so that they can serve their life goals and priorities. And you'll learn in future videos in the coming weeks that their first priority is God. On our table here, you'll see that we have a tree of life, and it is sitting beside um, the river of life. The story of God and God's people begins in Genesis and ends in the book of Revelation by the tree of life, a tree that is nourished by rich water that flows much like the spirit that's rooted in God and grows big and strong toward God. Because just like our Bible's beginning and ending, just like the tree's rooted beginning and persistent longing, our beginning and ending are in God. When desire goes unchecked, we find ourselves in that no-win situation where we're trying to serve two masters or trying to serve two competing desires. The desire for more stuff versus the desire for this life that Jesus describes as being so much more. But when desire is met with discipline, we experience life that isn't driven by worry or stress about money and things, but that's rooted in Christ, grounded in God's love and grace, a life that grows intentionally toward God's purposes and serves God's mission, a life that reflects God's priorities. It is my prayer that we would all firmly root ourselves in God, be nourished by God's spirit, and grow toward the life Christ calls us to. Amen.